Jay Zawoski will join us in this hour of 670 The Score. The Blackhawks making a trade today. They acquired defenseman Seth Jones from Seabus and uh, fills a need for them after the loss of Duncan Keith, who was traded away to Edmonton about 10 days ago. I think it was ex- well, it was a week and a half, whatever. It's It's been uh, less than two weeks that Duncan Keith has uh, said goodbye to the Blackhawks organization who's going through it right now. They, they got stuff going on, legal stuff. They have this. The NHL draft is going on, but a lot of people in that organization have put themselves in a really bad spot with the uh, sexual assault allegations of former players, former young players, uh, in regard to the former video coach. Here, here's a weird thing for me. I mean, there, there are a lot of things about that situation that are just insane to me. But uh, aren't video, and I'm not saying video coaches aren't good, because some of them are very good. One of my really close friends is a video coordinator for a professional team, uh, one of the four big sports. And he's very good at his job. But, uh, like, a guy like this, uh, can't you get? Can't you replace that dude? If he's that much of a piece of crap, what are you protecting him for? Like you shouldn't protect anybody who was doing the stuff this dude allegedly was doing and found guilty of in Michigan, by the way, for you know other things. Uh, like a video coordinator, we're 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 protecting this guy. And again, that's not to say that video coordinators are not important. They are, but. I mean, for the love of God, what are we doing here? You shouldn't protect any of these people, let alone, especially not him. What in the world? We'll talk to Jay uh, coming up in the hour. But let's get to some phone calls. Uh, by the way, we, we're, we're, we're broadcasting live from the SCORE Hyundai Studios, and that is brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Let's talk to Jordan in Vernon Hills. He is with us on the score. Hi, Jordan. Hey, how's it going? Great. How are you? I want to, I want to let you know, first of all, uh, you earned your money yesterday uh, with Costos because he was grilling you. Like, he was grilling you the whole night, the whole day. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, he um, really was. Baseball uh, bets. Yeah, yes, he really was. Money, and, then, sure. and, then, and then I ended up, uh, because of him, because of Nick Costos, uh, I ended up losing. I ended up, I think I went one and three yesterday on my bets because of him. It's not my fault. It's Nick Costos' fault that that happened to me. Yeah, I'm, you never know what, you know, you're going to bet, but I know Eli's going to bet the Nats every night. That's what I know. Well, uh, um, well Eli should never be pay atten- paid attention to until it's college basketball season. That's true. Um, so I was going to say, like, what is it about, like, if I was in a situation like the Blackhawks, I'd be shouting from the rooftops the moment I heard anything about this. I don't understand the reason why you would, like, you know, it's the video coach. I don't understand why you would protect it. Because, you know, even if from an ethical standpoint, you obviously should say, say something. But from a self-preservation standpoint, you know if it, it comes out that you knew about it, it's going to be on you. If you acted, you know, uh, expediently when you heard the news, then – you know, obviously that um, it, no one's going to construe it as your fault. But the second, you, but if you don't do that and you let it pass, then obviously everybody's going to blame you as complicit. I don't understand what it is about this that 
that I, makes that happen. About, about anything like this, Jordan, I look, obviously, number one is the victim. They're victims, the multiple victims. That's number one, those people. But I, I, but you're right. Like, even if you want to look at this in the most selfish way possible, that gets you to the right outcome. The correct outcome is to make sure something is done about it. That's, that is the correct outcome. Um, maybe then it doesn't really matter how you get to that point. If it's for selfish reasons, okay, fine. That's better than doing nothing at all. But for the most selfish reasons of I want it to be known that I did everything that was possible about this and I wasn't going to let this stand, so I'm going to come out and tell people what happened, you would think that you would do that. I guess the problem would be the fear that you lose your job in that moment, you get blackballed one way or the other, like you just you, you, you have difficulty finding employment because nobody believes you and everybody uh, shouts you down, which maybe that's the threat that scares people away. Ultimately, though, you will prove it to be right. It may take years for this to happen because, again, let's talk about when this happened a decade ago, over a decade ago. All of these things happened with the Blackhawks. But it, and it is just now becoming widely known. So maybe there is that fear that I, I'm going to be out of a job here. If I say anything, people won't believe me. And it's going to take a long time before anybody actually does. I guess that's the, 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 the fear. But ultimately, you are going to be on the right end of this. If you are to come out. Just from the purely selfish standpoint. But, I mean, the truth is, you should be out in front of it. I mean, if it were me, I, there, there's no way that, that I want to be liable for something like that. Like, just from a purely selfish standpoint. If I lose my job, fine, I lose my job. I, I, and it sucks. I'll go do something else. But I am not going to be a party to that. Whatever those pieces of crap were doing within the Blackhawks organization or one real piece of crap and then uh, pieces of crap by proxy who didn't do enough to stop it. So, yeah, I, I fully understand that. And I, I think you're right. I mean, it, you, the ideal way to look at it is I want to help this victim who feels voiceless, who is young. And when you're young, you don't feel like you have any power especially when you're trying to make it in an organization like the NHL. You know, it's, it's one of the most elite organizations in the world that very, very few people can be a part of. NHL, Major League Baseball, NFL, all of those. NBA. Very few people, relatively speaking, get to be part of those organizations. And if you're a young player and some piece of crap video coach is telling you, hey, I'm going to ruin your career if you don't do what I want you to do. Uh, and you're like 20 years old and you don't know any better or younger even, like 17, 18, you're probably thinking, okay, I guess I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll do whatever you tell me because you're an authority figure. And it's not till much later in life maybe 10 to 15 years later, you realize that guy's, that guy's a nobody. I didn't have to put up with that guy. Video coordinator? 
This nobody's telling me what to do, but you don't realize that in the moment. I mean, I'm sure it's totally frightening I, 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 and and overwhelming, and you don't really know what to do. I mean, anybody who's victim of any kind of sexual assault or uh, whatever, they, they will always tell you if they talk about it, and it's probably impossible for a lot of those people to talk about ever or come to terms with it, uh, you know, your, your first instinct is, is probably not to go, oh, hey, screw you, video coach. Get the hell away from me. I'm not listening to you. I mean, you're, you're probably fearful for multiple reasons. It's just it's a disgusting situation, and it, it's, it's very disheartening. And I hope that we do get, and here's the end game, that we reach a point in our society where people... The, the Jerry Sanduskies of the world and people like uh, the video coach where they feel like Bradley Aldrich is his name, the scumbag. Uh, maybe we get to a point where, oh, and by the way, allegedly, all of this is alleged. Um, maybe we get to the point where these people who want to act like this are afraid to act like that, afraid to the point where they just won't do it. I think that's the most important outcome, and that's the hope. And this this may take a long, long time. It may take forever before we get to the point where people like them, people in power, in positions of power, feel like they cannot do this stuff because the consequences are too great, you know? I, I hope that we get to that point, and it might take a very long time. And that's why every one of these situations and cases is important, and any person who is willing to speak up, that's why these are important. That's why those people are important, because the more people willing to speak up, the more shame, hopefully, these terrible people feel and hold off on doing the things they want to do. And I, I hope that we get to that point. I don't know if we will anytime soon, probably not, but but hopefully we're making progress in that direction. In Sleepy Hollow, John is with us on the score. Hi, John. How you doing, Chris? I'm um, great, buddy. <laughs> Straight away, I just want to call BS on Hub's comment about um, foals being considered before fields if Dalton goes down and... and um, I think we all have a problem with Nagy being as definitive as he was about, uh, you know, Dalton or Dalton starting. And no matter what happens, um, you know, we still have three preseason games. And if there right. is a scenario in which Dalton gets hurt. Um, Foles may or may not be on the team if, if the rumors are accurate about, about him to the, the trade. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's say he is on the team. Let's say it doesn't happen. Um, Dalton gets hurt. Fields has a good preseason. Is Hub really? Is Hub really well, think Nagy is going to put Foles yeah, yeah, in there I, well, before Fields? John, I don't think Hub was saying that's definitively what's going to happen. I think he's saying you got to be be prepared for that possibility. That if something happens to Dalton before Week One or Week One, Week Two, the next guy in line for now might not be Justin Fields. I think that's all he said. I don't think he was being definitive in saying that. And and he's going based on what what the Bears are kind of alluding to. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't think he means it in that way. That 
it is absolutely going to be like the, this, the order of succession is Dalton, Foles, and then Fields. I don't think that's what he was saying. Well, see, let me ask you the question. Let me pose you the question. If sure. Dalton goes down and Nagy has the choice between Foles, who we know who he is, he's not going to play much in the preseason, and Fields has a good preseason, who do you think Nagy is going to choose? I, I, th- I think it would be Fields. I think so, unless they are terrified that the offensive line is not good enough yet and going to get him killed. And it, if, if that is what they're thinking, then, okay, I can see an avenue for Nick Foles playing because it's almost like we don't care what happens to him. He's a veteran. We'll throw him out there, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But the last thing we want to do is get our hopeful franchise quarterback murdered on the field because our offensive line stinks. So maybe, but if he looks good and the line looks good enough, he, Justin Fields is mobile enough that it shouldn't be that big of a problem. I, I would be of the mindset that if he's ready to go and he looks ready, get him out there. Get him because it might actually help the offensive line that he's so good. I hope that, you know, that to me is what I believe is going to end up happening. I don't know for sure, um, but the next several weeks are going to tell us more about that. Appreciate the phone call, John. Jay Zawoski, the score's very own, is going to talk Blackhawks with us next. I'm Chris Ranji on the score. Seth Jones will jump up. Jones moving in and scores! Seth Jones is second of the night and the game winner. And the Blue Jackets pick up that valuable second point. A significant trade for the Blackhawks tonight as they acquired defenseman Seth Jones from Columbus. Uh, They trade away a draft pick. Folkfist is also gone, too, in the deal. And we'll talk more about that with the score's very own Jay Zawoski. He is a hockey expert, and he joins us next on the guest hotline, brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook, Jay is with us now on the score. Hi, Jay. Hey, Chris. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm good. Every time I hear your voice, I feel uh, like if what? my night, if my no, listen, if my night is like a, a five or a six, uh-huh. it immediately jumps to like a six and a half, seven. Wow. All right. I thought you were going to go down in the number, but I, so I'll take no. it. I will take that. No, no that's good. I like hearing you on the station. I have long been a Chris Ranji advocate. Well, I mean, well, you, you, we've worked together forever. Yeah. I always, I always want you on the air, just 24-7. Okay. Well, just I... sitting there laughing hysterically at stupid crap for my amusement. Because those are my favorite moments on the score is when you laugh hysterically. There is nothing. Hope... There's never been anything better than you laughing at the shark and you laughing <laughs> at the fart. Those are one and two in, <laughs> one well, and two okay. in score history. Well, you... Uh... Uh, I, we can revisit this real quick before we get to the Blackhawk stuff. Sure. Uh, the fart stuff, the the original <laughs> fart thing was your fault. So well, who, it was your fault because you you told me and I yeah, quote, okay. "Hey, uh, hey, buddy, can we hurry up this update? I got to poop." <laughs> so you planted the That's seed true. that I could not pass up on. So, so uh, it's, Jay was producing what? Murph's show. 
And yep. I'm telling the story to people. Not, mm-hmm. I'm not telling you. You know it. So this is where it all started. And it was probably like 2005 or six. I think. I mean, it was a, it was a while ago. And I'm doing uh, updates in the middle of the day. And Murph was on. And I did. I did exactly what Jay just said. I hit the talk back button like right before the update. And, and sometimes the update was late because we had these stupid commercials to play. Uh, you know, whatever money to the station. Who cares? But uh, I told him, like, Jay, we got to hurry this up. I got to go. I have to go to the bathroom. And so I'm in the middle of the update, and Jay plays this, this is the sound effect of uh, a fart. Mm-hmm. And I heard it, and I lost it. I just lost it because I knew why he did it. And and I look <laughs> up at Jay because I could see it. In those days, you could, if you were the update anchor, you could look up and through the glass see the producer. And Jay has his head in his hands like oh god what did i just do right because you knew you started something that was a problem i couldn't and you were afraid murph was gonna lose it because he was he was insane uh and and, (laughs) that's a way to put it yes yeah you're like oh god he's gonna come back like what happened and get all mad at everybody um who gives a crap but you i saw that and that made me laugh even more because i knew what was going on with you and that's the start of it it's it's so all the fart drops since then that, that make me lose it are because of you. Yeah. In all my years at the score, that is my greatest contribution. And I don't it know really if that's is. sad or yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It is. I don't really know how to feel about that, but it's, it's not, true. It's and I, this, I believe it, it isn't this hockey crap. No, 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 no. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> so speaking of the hockey crap. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of it. There, there is a lot. So do you want to start with the good stuff or the bad stuff? You're the host, buddy. You tell me what to do. I'm All your right. jukebox. Well, okay, let's start with the bad stuff and then end on a good note. Okay. Well, I don't know. I, you know what? Let's start with the good stuff, and then we'll <laughs> okay. make people upset before the break. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> what do you that, that'll keep them listening. Okay, this guy mind. sucks. We're, I'm sticking well, around. Hey, we're starting with the bad stuff. Here we go. All right. Uh, so what, 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 what in the world... Is going on here. We got we got the additional details yesterday, and we we knew it was going to be disgusting, and it turned out to be a little grosser than we thought. Yeah, it's uh it's very difficult, and if you, everyone who's listening missed it, uh, Ben Pope from the Sun Times, and obviously Rick Westhead from TSN, and all the people at the Athletic have done a terrific job covering this story. Um, that has somehow not really resonated enough in town. I feel like we're trying to keep it alive and keep the conversation going on Bernstein and Rahimi, but it's just kind of because of the Hawks, I don't know, status in the city these days, the story's just kind of faded out by the wayside. Uh, It's a disgusting story and it's a terrible story. And the more we learn, the worse it is. And look, I think, you know, before the other day, a lot of fans were like, okay, I can separate the team from management, right? Like management dropped the ball here. The players saw like, okay, well the guy was fired. So they took care of it, whatever. But when you see the latest report that the victim of Brett Aldrich's alleged uh, misconduct was bullied because of it, was called homophobic slurs because of it by his teammates, that to me, more than anything, puts a big stain on everything that that core of players accomplished. Because we hear about the great leadership of the coach and the captain and and his lieutenants and all these legendary Blackhawks are going to have statues one day. 
they either participated in that or stood by while it happened. And to me, that's inexcusable. That's not what a leader is. You know, you can score goals. You can have nice hands. You can lay big crushing hits and be an excellent defender, whatever. If you are going to allow that from your teammates to another teammate, that's not good leadership. And that's what makes me so angry and so disappointed because, again, I don't have any affinity for Stan Bowman. I don't have any affinity for Al McIsaac, and I did not have any for John McDonough. They were the suits at the top, and they made some good moves. They made some bad moves, whatever. But it was the players that won, and it's the players I root for. And I was sort of going through that this summer with the Cubs with all the gross Rickett stuff, and I'm like, you know what? I'm cheering for Chris Bryant. I'm cheering for Javier Baez. So I was able to sort of get myself through that. With this, now that I know this information, that this player was bullied by his teammates— it's going to be really hard for me to get past, man. Honestly, it's really, really tough. It's it, it's it does sort of stain. Uh, and I know there are some people who just they, they don't care and you can't make them care because it right. didn't happen directly to them. So I, I, I don't know how you convince them. And I don't know if you should try to because they're it's a lost cause. If but I learned I, anything, I do, it's that people are willing to change their minds all the time. Yeah. And people are willing to listen <laughs> to reason. Uh-huh. Jay, I found yeah. that out in the last few years. Uh, totally willing to listen to reason. Mm-hmm. But I, I I, do think that for a lot of people, that's hard to get past. Just, you know, I, I enjoyed the Stanley Cups. I enjoyed that run, and I'll always have that. But damn it, I mean, come on. Like that's, I feel like that's how a lot of Blackhawks fans are going to feel right now. And here, I'm no, I'm not a legal expert, okay? And I don't know what the fallout of this would be. And this is why I'm sort of like, I struggle with the story because I don't, I, I'm not a legal analyst. I know how to watch hockey. Uh, you know, I'm above average in my hockey knowledge, I guess, whatever. But when it comes to the law and those sort of things, it's just, I'm, I'm a radio producer, right? It's not, it's not really my field. But why wouldn't the Hawks just say, you know what? We were swept up in the... Stanley Cup that we are pursuing. We made a bad decision at the time that we regret. We let Brett Aldridge go when the season ended, but we should have done more. We should have stood by our player. It will never happen again. We wish it hadn't happened and we apologize and you move on. But instead, they're making it as ugly as they can. They're trying to get by on a technicality, which they probably will. Right. I just don't know if this air quotes independent investigation uh, paid for and operated by the Chicago Blackhawks, um, finds out that these allegations are true, that Stan Bowman and Al McIsaac were in the room. How do you allow either of those guys to stay in the organization? How do you, with a straight face, say, yeah, well, we found this happened, but we're just going to let it go. It was a long time ago, and we're going to let Stan Bowman keep running the show. How? How can you draw? How can you draw a line to that conclusion? I don't know. The way to do it was say, yep, we dropped the ball. You can even backtrack and say, you know what? This is part of why we let John McDonough go. If you want to do that. I don't know what that means though. If they do that and they admit that they made a mistake, does that open up the door for every other person that Brad Aldrich assaulted? I don't know. Allegedly, sorry, allegedly assaulted. And if new victims come forward, do the Blackhawks then have to fall on that sword? I don't know, but what they're doing now is the worst possible thing they can do. Just saying, I, well, you know, I, technically we weren't of any duty to report right. that. Screw you. Screw that, man. That's BS. Like, st- I don't know. I'm trying to think of what I'm seeing in the NFL today. Coaches getting fired for, and 
right or wrong, this is a conversation for a different day, whatever, for not getting vaccinated, for refusing to get vaccinated. This was a sexual assault. And they're like, well, technically, no, screw that. Stand up, own up to what happened, pay the victims what they want, and hopefully when Chelsea Dagger plays again, you know, people will start thinking about hockey again. But for me, someone who has dedicated, uh, you know, my entire life of fandom and a big chunk of my career to the Blackhawks, it's really, really hard for me right now. And I'm trying to just keep the podcast going, focusing on hockey. And uh, But every day that goes by, every story that comes out, it gets harder and harder. Jay Zawoski, uh, producer for Bernstein and Rahimi, and also host of the Madhouse podcast, is with us on 670. So uh, now I guess the good stuff. They did trade for Seth Jones today. How do you feel about the deal, what they gave up, the draft pick, the player? And and also, how does he end up helping this team? I know his, his 2019 or you know the the 2020-21 season was a little underwhelming, but how does he help them now? He is a top 20 defenseman, and those do not come cheap. Um, so, am I happy that Seth Jones is a Blackhawk? Absolutely. Do I think trading Adam Boquist for Seth Jones makes sense? Yes, I do. My issue is, you are really only bidding against yourselves, right? Reports say that he only would sign long-term with Chicago or Dallas if they traded him. Uh, So it's two teams. Dallas is not super in. I've heard from other sources that maybe there were a couple other teams involved. Fine. But you give up a first-round pick this year. You swap first-round picks with them. So you get the 32nd pick instead of 11. You give them a second-round pick this year that they've already flipped for a defenseman, Jake Bean from Carolina. And then you give them another first-round pick next year. Then... You signed Seth Jones for eight years at $9.5 million. That is a huge, huge number. And I don't know how things are going to happen with the top free agent prize this summer. Dougie Hamilton from Carolina, he's supposed to be the guy who's going to get the biggest contract. If it's less than what Seth Jones signed for with the Hawks, Stan Bowman is going to have to answer that question because there's a lot of people that think Dougie Hamilton is flat out a better player than Seth Jones. And if you just could have signed him instead and kept Adam Boquist and all those picks, then that's a huge mismanagement by Stan Bowman. That said, Seth Jones makes his team better. He's a good player. He's much better than he played last year. His partner, Zach Wierenski, played much of the season with a sports hernia, which slowed Seth Jones down. You know, if, you're, if your D partner is not playing up to snuff, the guy you're used to playing with, it's going to hold you back too. He is a much better player than he was last year. If people want proof, you can go back and watch the upset series they had against Tampa three years ago. Seth Jones was one of the best players on the ice, and uh, he's he. I think he is a dynamic player. Is he a game changer? Is he a franchise guy? I don't know about that. I don't know if he makes them a contender, but they're much better with him. He is a number one defenseman. He will be for the next five or six years, and now it's what they do behind him, and how do these kids that are here now the guys you were able to keep, Kirby Doc, Alex DeBrinkit, and uh, we think uh, Lucas Reichel, who should play this year, um, you got to keep those three. How do they develop, and what does it mean for the Hawks long-term? Those are the an- questions they have to answer now. Well, what about for the 21-22 season? I mean, I, the, the realignment that they did for the COVID situation, I, I would imagine, is going to go back to normal for next it is, year. Yes. The divisions. Yeah, okay. So, the only difference uh, is I mean, Arizona... Yeah, sorry, Arizona moves into the Central now with Seattle coming on board in the West. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering if, like, and hopefully we don't have to do this again, but, like, there's a, 
a, an even greater issue and they feel like they have to readjust again, like go back to what they did. I mean, I know right, right now this is the intent, um, but, you know, it, depending on how this pandemic goes, uh, you know, hopefully this is the way it's going to be. So with that being the case and and seeing the rest of the, the league and seeing the rest of the Central Division, um, how do you think the Blackhawks or how long will it be before the Hawks are? And, and they were they were fairly close this past year, too. I mean, they, they there was a, a stretch there where you thought they might actually, you know, make the playoffs. So, like, what 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 do you think about what they'll be in the 21-22 season? Well, there's a lot of ifs in this question, right? Because I'm not convinced Jeremy Cowton is a good coach, let alone even an average coach. I think he's poor, uh, and I don't have any evidence otherwise. The team keeps getting worse, and as they do, like you mentioned, approach playoff status, they inevitably fall apart and lose like five of six or whatever it is and fall out of contention right away. As soon as they get close, they fall apart. It's happened every year under Jeremy Cowton. Yes, he won a playoff series, air quotes, against Edmonton uh, last, you know, in the bubble, which is great. And then they got trounced by the Golden Knights. Um, here's the thing. If Kirby Doc becomes what you think he is in year three of his career, two and a half, whatever you want to call it, this will be his first year with a full training camp and a full preseason before the season begins. He'll be fully healthy, hopefully entering the season. So this is the time Kirby Doc needs to show why he was the number three overall pick. He's got to be a 45, 50 point scorer at least. You need Alex Tabrinkit to continue doing what he was doing this year. He was, aside from Patrick Kane, and maybe you could argue better than Patrick Kane this year, you need Patrick Kane to not take a step back. You need Jonathan Taves to come back and be close to what he was uh, before he set out, right? He needs to be the defensive stalwart and the really, you know, not not like a top-end point-per-game guy, but a consistent scorer. Um, your defense is going to have to improve from somewhere other than Seth Jones. I don't know where that's coming from. They've got some good young players, but um, based on what we saw, they're not totally ready to be difference makers yet. There's a lot of questions. And yeah, I can see, you know, a path to the playoffs if, if, if all these things come true. And look, free agency hasn't started yet. There's trades to be made, all those sort of things. We don't know what the roster looks like. As of now, I think they're a borderline playoff team if a lot of things go right. Um, but if Taves isn't there for the vast majority of the year, and Patrick Kane takes a step back even a little bit, it's going to be a tough. It's going to be tough again. They need these kids who are down, uh, you know, who have played a little bit now and who are in, in the minors or just had a sniff last year. They've got to take that next step and become consistent, reliable NHL players. I, I really think Doc can do it. I believe in Kirby Doc a lot, and I'm really glad they did not have to trade him to get Seth Jones. But now he's got to deliver. Now he's got to become, like I said, he's got to justify that number three overall pick. Does it bother you that the Seattle Kraken now have the best uniforms in the league? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm a big fan of the Dallas Stars uniforms uh, and the uh, Lightning uniforms. I think I like those more than the Kraken, but the white Kraken uniforms look really good. And I think if I'm not mistaken, they're going to wear the white gloves like Vegas does. I really like that. I, yeah, like, I like that. That, that look is, is very sharp. So, yeah, they're up there. It looked cool. I also think it's cool that um, the NHL is back on ESPN. The draft is on ESPN2 right now, and it just feels much less clunky and awkward than those NHL Network ones always did or the NBC ones always did. You can tell this network knows how to run a draft. It's very smooth. It looks very good. Very few technical glitches. So, look, it's it's going to be – the NHL is going to be on a different sort of uh, stratosphere next year with a much bigger 
spotlight on them because of the ESPN exposure. So that's exciting. And look, the Hawks have a lot of good young players, and they could break through, and, and that's the hope. If they break through, uh, now we're talking. But it's just there's so many questions to answer. Columbus just picked um, a little bit ago Cole Sillinger, the, the center, and, and that was the draft pick that the Blackhawks would have had at number 12, which effectively was uh, you know number 11. The Hawks are picking 32nd tonight. Do you, do you have like any sort of feeling what they might go for? If they were still picking at 11 slash 12, and if people don't know what we're talking about, the Coyotes had to forfeit a pick because yeah. of a... Like two of them, right? Didn't they have to pick... Uh, yeah, so they forfeited... Draft picks. Number 11 got forfeited because of these violations. So the Hawks technically were picking 12, but it was really the 11th pick. I think they were going to go for a goalie. Um, Jesper Wallstedt or, just or uh, Sebastian Kosa were the two names. I think Kosa was the one they were leaning towards more. Or Matthew Coronado, who played with the Steel, who was actually just picked by Calgary at 13. I think that would have been one of their picks. The good news is all three of those goalies are, or both those goalies are still available. So if they wanted to trade up, they could. Uh, they've already given up a lot of draft capital. But if they, you know, they've got some some roster pieces they can move. Maybe someone wants Kelvin DeHaan to trade up three spots or something like that or four spots. I don't know. We'll see how the rest of the night goes. We'll see how the weekend goes. They're, I don't think they're done by any means. Um, but I don't know if either of those goalies are going to be there if they pick a 32. Appreciate your time, Jay. Thanks for hanging out with me on a Friday night. Thanks for having me, buddy. I appreciate it. Okay. I'm glad. Love you. I love you more. All right. Bye. Bye. That's Jay Zawoski. He is the producer of Bernstein, Rahimi, Bernstein and Rahimi. They're not one person. And uh, the Madhouse podcast, uh, which you can listen to. It's a great Blackhawks podcast. And... There are very few people in the city of Chicago that know hockey like Jay does. So if you ever want to know anything. And this dude, I used to go to Blackhawks games with him in like 2003 when they were garbage. And there were like 5,000 people in the building, maybe. And he's up in the upper deck yelling at the ice. Two things about that. They're bad. Stop yelling at them. It's not going to help. And two, you're too far away. They can't hear you. But that was Jay. So he he was in it for the long haul, and he still is. So uh, Jay Zawoski, you can follow him on Twitter at jayzawoski670. I'm Chris Ranji. We'll wrap things up here. Um, a, a, another change happening in baseball. We'll tell you what that is next on The Score. Appreciate anybody who checked in on the score listener line powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. I've been uh, jumping on some of the BetQL programming that you can catch on the Odyssey app, by the way. You download the Odyssey app. It's free and you can stream 670 the score on it and you can also stream some of the, well, all of the BetQL programming um, that they have now. There, of course, is the show BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski. I've sat in on that a few times. And also You Better You Bet, which is on in the afternoons, which you can listen to as well with Costos and Barkley. And um, I, I had been doing pretty well with baseball picks over the last couple of weeks. And then yesterday, man, 
The Yankees, what, what, I don't, the Yankees are crap. They are just, they are so bad. Lots of errors, wild pitches, who knows what they're doing, but just an absolute mess. That team has, well, I mean, they are, they're a mess compared to what they should be. They should be a whole lot better than they are. Appreciate you listening tonight. I'm Chris Ranji. Um, want to thank our guests, Tal Barkish and Jay Zawoski, for joining us. Brandon Fryer, who produced the show tonight and got everything in order and ready to go for me so that I could uh, help keep you company for a while. And thanks for keeping me company as well. There has been a change in baseball, and it happened today. We found out that the Cleveland Indians, and we've known for a while that the Cleveland Indians are dead. At least the team name is. The organization still exists, but now they are going to be known by something different. The Cleveland Indians will no longer be known as the Cleveland Indians after this season. They will be called the Cleveland Guardians. That's right. They're going to be the Cleveland Guardians. And it's kind of a weird name unless you know anything about the area of Cleveland. And they've got these statues that have been on the bridge um, right there over the Cuyahoga River. And they're called the Guardians of Traffic. And they've been there forever. You've probably seen them like when they do the, you know, the establishing shots for any kind of sporting event that happens in Cleveland. They'll show them. So the, the team name is going to be based on that. It's a, it's a local thing. Everybody in Cleveland knows it. And I think it's it's good. I'm okay with it. I, as, as long as it has a meaning and as long as it has something to do with the local area, I think it's great. So good for them. They have a name change. I could not help <laughs> but think about the name change through the lens of Herb Lawrence, the great Herb Lawrence, who is the producer for the Lawrence Holmes show. Um, and, and Herb has been around forever, as you know. Herb is, and I've said this on the station, I, I don't know, four dozen times, that I've never known anybody in my life that is either 100% right or 100% wrong. And there's never like an in the middle with him. Like he never says anything that you go, yeah, maybe, but I don't know. What about this? It's either Herb, spot on, good job, or it's Herb, what the hell are you talking about? There's never a, there's never a, a gray area with him. It's I, I don't think I've ever known anybody like him. And I wasn't present for this, but I, <laughs> I've been thinking about it all day. The story of him going on a baseball road trip opening day in Cleveland. They went to Progressive Field. And I, Chris Tannehill was with him. Um, I, I, I think Brendan McCaffrey, the sports, uh, the, the old uh, sports director at the score. Um, and somebody else might have been with him, too. I'm not, I'm, I can't remember. But apparently they go to this game at Progressive Field. It's opening day. So opening day. You, you know how a downtown area or any area around the ballpark opening day around the country is just a madhouse, right? The game's packed, and with the game being packed, there's a lot of traffic. And, and leaving town is a nightmare. Leaving the stadium is a nightmare. And that, this is pretty much anywhere you go. And apparently, 
when they left the ballpark, they got in their car, they got out of the parking lot, and they were away from the ballpark in like 90 seconds and just gone. No traffic whatsoever. And Herb was in the car complaining about how much the city of Cleveland sucks because there was no traffic. That any real city has traffic. And if you don't have traffic, you got a BS city. And I have to tell you, this is one of Herb's 100% right times. Think about getting into a ballpark or getting into your car after opening day and being gone in like 90 seconds. Can you imagine Wrigley or being in at, at, at guaranteed rate on opening day and getting out in 90 seconds? The guardians of traffic. There is no traffic, so what are you guarding? Anyway, uh, congratulations to the city of Cleveland for their new team nickname that isn't uh, terrible. All right, we got to go. I'm going to thank you for listening. Thanks for being part of the show. We have what, CBS Sports Radio coming up next? I think we, yeah, we do. Edmund Fryer, thank you for your help tonight. Thank you to Hub. Thank you to Jay. Thank you to you for listening. I'm going to be on with Matt Spiegel Tuesday and Friday of this week coming up here with Danny Parkins out. So we'll talk to you then. Have a great Friday. Have a great, safe weekend. And we'll talk to you next week. I'm Chris Ranji on The Score.